recording in progress. <laughs> you do it so much better than I do. Oh no, that's not true. I think we should take it. In ter- <laughs> I think we should take it in turns from now on. The okay. thing is, nobody hears the actual Zoom recording in progress. So no, they don't. You're right. No. They have so, no clue. It's completely what voice. It sounds yeah. like no relevance. What's to do? No context. Anyway, <laughs> tough. That's just how we start. Yeah. So come on then. Do you want to tell me all about your Disney trip? The highlights. Oh, Disney. Disney Orlando, yeah, um, and Universal as well, and Kennedy Space Center. Yeah, I had about two weeks in Florida, loved it. It's not a relaxing holiday, I would say. It was pretty much get to the parks as soon as you can and sort of go about two, three o'clock in the afternoon and then go for a swim. But it's, yeah, on your feet, blisters galore. That's the downside, but I can't believe I was doing roller coasters at 8 a.m. in the morning. Let's just say. Very, very hot, 35 degrees C. Very nice hotel. We we stayed at the Swan. Nice pools. All very good. And uh, yeah, we loved them. Kennedy Space Centre was a a highlight as well, especially if my son has decided now he wants to be an aerospace engineer, uh, my 11-year-old. But uh, you never know. He's probably got it in him to be an aerospace engineer when he's older. Um, How about yours in Spain? Yeah, it was was a nice break. Um, Very hot out there. Probably about the same as you, actually, about mid-30s. And lots of trips to the beach and the pool and very, very relaxing. Just a week, but I could have done with it lasting a little bit longer. But I still have a camping trip to come at the end of the summer, so I'm looking forward to that. So what were your favourite film-related experiences, rides, tours? I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, we went to all the parks in Orlando. So the best was definitely Hollywood Studios. Went to visit that more often, I think, than the others. And Epcot as well was was a highlight. They got the Guardians of the Galaxy ride on the Epcot, which was a bit of a surprise. It's slightly out of place there, to be honest, but they do have space theme. So I guess maybe it's lots in there. But yeah, that was a bit of a um, quite scary. Took me and my my youngest a bit of time to get over the, the most sickness for that one. Oh no uh yeah yeah then there was indiana jones stunt show you could go and watch actually at universal there was a jason bourne stunt show which was excellent so both of those were really good and then uh there's toy story rides which was really sweet but they were very scary <laughs> one of them as well slinky dog uh plus it's like shoot them up and you have this like toy and you pull the the end of the toy gun and that's how you shoot you know these monsters that come out of you or you know pop the balloons or whatever that kind of thing which was quick good fun i would say look star wars it was very immersive very experiential that was amazing actually and when you send pictures back home or you keep them on your phone it looks like you're on the film set yeah it's pretty well, I- impressive I saw the photos, yeah, that you shared out and um, that was my first thing. I think I'd seen a behind the scenes of, because you see the shot of the Millennium Vulcan. Yeah. And it just looks so real. It's yeah, bonkers. It was, it was. It was really good. I mean, just to, to give you the overall experience whilst you're in there is is, is quite incredible. And with that heat as well, you do feel like you're in a, on a planet and with Star Wars. You get to be Chewy, BB-8. You can make your own um, lightsabers, make your own droids. Really, really good fun. I highly recommend a visit. I mean, we went, because it's our 15th year anniversary, we, we went slightly more luxurious. But you can go for much less costly than what we paid. So it depends where you, whether you stay in a villa or whether you go to the hotels. And we had Genie Plus and that worked really well because it means that we got to do the rides that couldn't do Genie Plus on, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Rise of the Resistance. 
Mickey and Minnie Mouse Runaway Train was was good and and things like that. So so there's lots to do there, and yeah, had great fun. I think it's just a very happy place to be. Very good, very good. Well, Did very you see endless. any celebrities then in in Marbella? Was it Marbella you went to? It wasn't Marbella. It was near a place called Porta Benice, which is where the rich and famous have their yachts moored up nice. in that, on that kind of stretch. So it's good fun to go down to the strip and sit in the cafes, watch the Lamborghinis and Bentleys and, you know, all these incredible Ferraris yeah. drive past and, you know, looking at these massive super yachts and, you know, you're like, you're typing in the name of the super yacht. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's the Saudi Royal family super yacht. Wow. And then we saw another one and I put that in and it was on the market and had been sold the year before. I saw it listed for like 2.3 million and it's kind of great people watching. So that was, that's always good. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, no, good. it was really, really good. So I watched quite a few films on the way over. So I watched Creed 3 with Michael B. Jordan as uh, back as Adonis Creed. And uh, this time he's got an old friend from his childhood days that pops by to challenge him, really. And that's Jonathan Majors uh, plays Damien, his, his old pal and nemesis, I would say. Then we've got A Man Called Otto I watched, which I know that you watched, had watched before. Tom Hanks feeling a bit blue, I would say, in this film after, obviously, you would feel that having lost your wife. And he really gets to know his neighbours and gets sort of swept away with the community vibe, really, and gives him some to live for because he wants to end his life after all the trauma that he's been through. Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Tim Minchin's musical. You've got Emma Thompson playing Miss Trungeball. Really good. All singing and dancing. Definitely worth a watch. Moana as well. Got to watch that. Dwayne Johnson is playing a demigod Maui in uh, Disney animation. And, and I would say it's up there with, with the classics. And then Barbie. I think we could probably have a whole session talking about Barbie, to be honest. Greta Gerwig's film. Quite a feminist movie I found it to be my son found it he said it came out and said it was atrocious <laughs> my 13 year old that's not surprising nah. No, there's a lot of people that lo- absolutely love it. Margot Robbie plays Barbie and seeks out her owner in the real world. And uh, Stowaway Ken sort of joins her, played by Ryan Gosling, and, and gets a taste of a male-driven real world, which I don't think is strictly 100% true. But it inspires Ken to take over Barbie's world, and Barbie fights back with her various Barbie forms. <laughs> That's how I would describe it. But hugely feminist, and uh, yeah. It was great. Um, I don't, I... Have you seen it? You, yeah, you enjoy it? I, I saw it. It was I saw it when I got back. It was, it was great fun. I mean, I I just thought it's funny. I think the feminist slant, you know, yeah, you could argue it's a bit over the top, but I think it's a film that's made more for women of our generation, yeah, who definitely. have the memories of Barbie and playing with Barbies and all different types of Barbies, than yeah. for any other demographic. And there's a like a little monologue in the film when one of the real life characters who ends up being, you know, to do with the owner of the Barbie in the real world, she has this big speech, which is all about how difficult it is being a woman. You're supposed to be like this, we're supposed to be like that, or who are, and at the end, I could hear like two or three women in the audience almost go, yep, amen, or almost, almost a little. (laughs) I think I might've done that once or twice. Yeah, almost a little clap. And I kind of thought, well, if you're going to make a film that's primarily for that demographic, then I don't think the feminist thing actually was that bad. It kind of made sense. If you're going to do it, then just really do it. Yeah, I think definitely I would completely agree with you. I think those that love Barbie as youngsters can go and watch it, but I think it was tailored for my age. 
yeah. um, or ad- or adult ladies. Because even at the end, she goes, I want to go and see my gynecologist now. How would a five-year-old or 10-year-old get that? Not sure. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and, all, and all of the kind of, there were so many gags in there for the adults. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the beach off piece was hilarious and all the stuff with the kens and ryan gosling yeah. camp- camping it up i mean it it was it yeah. was funny he, he doesn't seem to age does he i'm sure they put some anti-aging stuff on him as well <laughs> i'm sure he's got he a lot of spray like, i'm sure he's like got Noah a lot of from... spray tan on yeah well he looks like the, as young as he looked when he was doing the notebook i have to say very ripped as well yes that was good that was good <laughs> yeah so what did you watch have you seen open oppenheimer I have seen Oppenheimer. So it was Barbie and Oppenheimer that I watched the week I got back. And yeah, Oppenheimer, I mean, crikey, we could do a whole, like you say, we could do a whole Mm. podcast episode on Oppenheimer as well. It was one of those films that, and it doesn't happen very often with me anyway, I came away from it. And this is purely because of the subject matter. In terms of a film, performances, the craft of it, it's flawless from that point of view. But I think it was just the whole subject matter. And it was quite chilling in so much as it's a very, it's a subject that you kind of almost feels very much of its time now. It's quite timely. And from that point of view, Mm. it's almost a little chilling because it's almost a little bit too close to the bone. And so I came away not really knowing to think about it. But then after a while, I thought, well, that, is Chris Nolan's intention is to make you feel like that. It's, it's supposed to address all those themes. And mm-hmm. uh, well, you've got it. It's one of those films you've got, got to, to watch you, it. You've got to watch, to watch it. it. It's as simple yeah. as that. What you think of it. I mean, I, I thought it was brilliant. I do um, want to watch it, definitely. And the other thing, and you're not going to believe this, I watched Hijack, the Idris Elba series. Yeah. But check this out. I watched the whole series <laughs> in one sitting. Wow. Is it? Because uh, I've seen I've seen one or two episodes now, but I haven't watched. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have anything on this weekend, Saturday. Oh, well, I went actually see to see the film we're about to review, Gran Turismo, but came back and then I had nothing on, and I was quite tired because I had a bit of a heavy night on Friday night, <laughs> and I put it on TV at about five o'clock. And watched it all the way, through. All the way through to midnight, li- literally oh. almost one after the other, and worth it. All good? I think it is worth it. There's plenty of flaws in it. You know, would that really happen? Surely, surely to do it. But it was very, very watchable. Having Idris Elba in, in it, yeah, it was it's just, I suppose it was just very well, well produced and very, very watchable. Yeah, to pick that up, up again, definitely. Sounds good. Any other films before we start with the quiz? No, that's it for me. That's it for me. So let's get on to the quiz. The quiz theme yeah. this time is yeah. about pop music. It'll come clear in the quiz, okay? Okay, I think I know what this might be a tenuous link for, but anyway, go go for it. Right, question one. Ding, ding. Name the female artist who appeared singing on the TV in The Goonies with the song called The Goonies Are Good Enough. Cindy Lauper. Yes, ding. Very good. Number two, Jerry Hallowell Horner played the mum of Jan Mardenborough in Gran Turismo. Name her Spice Girl name. Oh, um, oh, God, it's... um. He's going oh. sporty. Oh, it's Ginger Spice. <laughs> Scary. Ginger Spice. Ginger Spice, Spice. Posh, yeah. Orlando Bloom and David Harbour have singing wives in real life. Can you name them? Okay, David Harbour's wife is Lily Allen. 
Yep. Oh, Orlando Bloom. I don't know if I'm going to get this one. Very famous female artist. Famous female it's not Rita. No, it's not Rita Ora because that's um, that's the director. Um, I don't know. Ah, okay. Uh, Katie Perry. Really? Oh, yeah. I did know that. God damn it. Okay. Corey Feldman. Yeah. Started in a movie where Ben E. King song. Stand about, by sorry, me. Start. Oh, I didn't even have to repeat the question. Well done. Yes, yeah, stand by me. And Sean Austin starred alongside a lead singer of Aerosmith's daughter in The Lord of the Rings. Name the actress. Liv Tyler. Very good. I think you no. got four out of five there. Very, know, very good. I know. Though. I very was, good. I was um, Katy Perry <laughs> away from a from a clean sweep. I know. I know. Very I good though. Should we start with the Goonies? I think we should. After that. Hey, you guys. <laughs> Wow. Go on. Okay. Goonies. I reckon I reckon this is only the second time I've ever seen it. So of a classic 1985 adventure film directed, produced by Richard Donner, written by Chris Columbus, exec produced by Steven Spielberg. I mean, you just look at those names, Richard Donner, Chris Columbus, Steven Spielberg now. Yeah, apparently it was Spielberg came up with this idea on the set of the colour purple, apparently when he began to wonder about the kind of adventures children dreamed up in their heads to kind of while away the time. I think that's that was like the seed for this. That's anyway. Colour purple. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a heavy movie, colour purple, though. I know, I know. Uh, so the story here revolves around a group of young friends living in this coastal town where the home of Mikey Walsh played by Sean Austin and his older brother Bran, played by Josh Brolin, is under threat of being taken from them. They're under threat of being evicted by this greedy building developer as his father is falling on hard times. So one day, Mikey and the gang, known as the Goonies, who are goofing around at the house, as they do a lot of the time. So we've got Chunk, the chubby one, played by Jeff Cohen. You've got Mouth, the cocky one, played by Corey Feldman. Data, who's this kind of gadget maker, inventor, played by Kihu Kwan. And they're in the attic one day. I don't think they've been up there before or they've been told not to go up there. It's kind of out of bounds, but they went up there, I think, when their mum's out and they start looking at all this old antiquities and find this old treasure map. And they start to see that this ties up with this legend that's been known around the area and they believe it gives them clues to track down the treasure which they see as this kind of symbol of hope to save his home and his family so they go off and embark on the quest to find the hidden fortune of the legendary pirate one-eyed willie and joining them is also bran's girlfriend andy and her friend steph so that's like the crew and takes them through these series of perilous and imaginative traps, underground tunnels, booby trap chambers. And along the way, they encounter the criminal Fratelli family who are also after the treasure. So it's just a good old-fashioned, well, you look back on it now, feeling it's a good old-fashioned coming-of-age adventure comedy about youthful spirit, adventure, you know, power of friendship and family. It's just a real blast from the past. You watch it and... You can see Spielberg all over this film, can't you? You know, mm. there's so many things of this that you can see ties up with other films that he's done. And yeah, I'll pass straight over to you, Sarah. So, um, yeah, so I was a little bit too young when this came out 
at the cinemas in 1985 to go and watch it at the cinema. So I believe I watched this on VHS. But this time I watched it on Amazon Prime. And there are two versions on there. There's a one for 12-year-olds because there's a bit of swearing. And there's another one for 7 Plus, I think it has. I didn't watch it, actually, but I I assume the swearing's out. And there was a dead body at the start. So I'm not sure whether that is in there as well. So I need to go back and have a look at that. But Sean Austin is so cute in this. And actually, I forgot he was in this because I I was thinking, who is that? (laughs) And then, yeah, Mikey plays Mikey in the film. And Josh Brolin looks so different as well. He's like a jock brother and protector and looks so different and very similar, I think, relationship-wise I would say that the siblings in E.T. I love seeing Corey Feldman in, in his younger days again. It's just such an excitable bunch of kids all talking over each other, wanting an adventure to save their mum and dad's home from being knocked down and turned into, I think it was a golf club, wasn't it? Complete overacting at times, but it, um, it looks such great fun for the directors and, and the crew watching these kids because I think some scenes they haven't actually showed them what was going to come up next. And I know the pirate ship was one of them as well, in particular. And it was a life-size pirate ship that they had in this film. But you're watching the reactions of a 12 to or 11 to 16, 17-year-olds, all together with Josh Brolin, Kerry Green, who plays Andy, and Martha Plimpton's character as well, who's Andy's friend. They were the older ones uh, in the film. Actually, a question for you, Rob. Who do you think, out of all of those kids, who do you think was the oldest and who do you think was the youngest out of all of them? Oh, well, that's quite tricky. I'd say the youngest maybe was Kai, Kai Hu. No, no, no. Most of them are all 14, including right. um, Kiwu uh, Kwan. He was 14, and along with Sean Austin, surprisingly. He looks the youngest, Sean yeah. Austin. Yeah. But actually it was the kid that played Chunk. And then the eldest was actually Kerry Green, who was plays Andy. She was a good couple of years older than Josh Brolin, who looked by far the eldest in, yeah. in this. So it's quite interesting to see that. I don't know. I love looking at people's ages. <laughs> so I got onto that. Anyway, you have, as you said before, tons of booby traps, inventions of Kiwan Tukwan's character data. You've got the truffle shuffle. You've got your food fights. You've got the a game of Spanish lost in translation, I guess. Treasure hunting, pirates, water flumes. And a mad friendly sloth as well in this. It's, you know, as an adventure, you can't get better than that, really. I watched with this with my kids and my 13-year-old absolutely loved it, but my 11-year-old found it a bit scary. I may want to show, try and show him again the 7 Plus one because he, he kind of half-watched it. Maybe I'll go to the 7 Plus one because he's an 11-year-old and it is for a 12A, this film now. But I'm sure when it came out, I swear when it came out, it was 15 because I knew that I wasn't able to go and watch it when I was, I think I was only about 9 or 10 when this came out back in the day. But um, the the language was a bit savoury on, <laughs> on occasions and the, my boys were comparing themselves to the characters in the movie. Apparently my youngest is Mikey and my eldest is Chunk if you want to know, Rob. But completely over-the-top over acting from the kids on occasions, and there are some elements of charm from Mikey and Bran's relationship, I felt. But what is really interesting is they're going to release in 2027 The Goonies 2, and Sean Austin is going to be in that, Corey Feldman. Uh, Robert Davey, who played one of the Fratelli brothers, is going to be in it. Cindy Lauper is also signed up. So 27 is one they're going to release. And I'm sure it's going to be full of nostalgia, a bit like the Ghostbusters was as well. 
I mean, they did have a sequel, but I'm struggling to find it on IMDb, but apparently they did have a sequel. Johnny Depp, Josh Brolin was in it. Mark Ruffalo was in it. Scarlett Johansson and Bill Hader and Samuel L. Jackson. But I don't know. I've not seen Goonies 2. But yeah, they're officially releasing the official Goonies 2 in 2027. I mean, as you said before, Chris Columbus, Steven Spielberg, combination of, of those two have made so, so many exciting movies and adventurous movies. And Harry Potter, you've got E.T., Indiana Jones. I think we saw Hugh Kwan mention something about gremlins in, in one of his um, yes. quotes as well. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, which, where they were involved with that as well. And there's, there are lots of other movies that are referred to in this. this. And I think the music also sounds very like, much like E.T. Uh, in, and Indiana Jones as well. And you've got your, um, your bats coming flying at you. You've got your tunnels you're going into, like you'd seen on Indiana Jones movie. So there's lots of similarities there. I mean, I think generally it's just a great film to watch. And I think all kids should go and watch it, even though it's an 80s film. A group of young boys still act in that kind of goofy way. I think pulling pranks on each other, you know, messing around and you, most groups is that there's an intelligent one there's one that's that's um like doing something with tricks or inventions and things like that and i think it's just lovely to watch it all come to life and this also i think this inspired stranger things because there's a couple of scenes with them on their bikes and everything which reminds me of, of stranger things also so i'd love to get any further thoughts from you as well rob yeah no i felt much the same way it was just this is very very enjoyable to watch i think i was quite struck by the opening scene, which is one of the Bratelli's cunning escape plan to break prison, which included the opening <laughs> yeah. shot of him him pretending to have hung himself. Exactly. That's why I think the thing it's, is, it's slightly like, the age yeah. for this film. It was strange because my first thought was like, wow, I couldn't kind of properly get into the movie because I was like, wow, how? I'm surprised that's got in there. And then, like you say, yeah. there's quite a lot of tasty language. Was it tasty language? I mean, the S-H-I-T yeah. type language. But because it was said quite often by some of by, by, by a lot of the kids, BBFC have it down as a 12A, and you do hear some of that language in 12As these yeah, days. Yeah, you do. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it was in Gran Turismo, and that was a 12A. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I think it was more like the themes and some of the shots of i mean it was dead pirate bodies i suppose it wasn't too bad but i guess some people could be a bit scared of it um i was surprised at just how much dialogue was in it i remember the one of the opening scenes in et with the squabbling family around the dinner table and it reminded me of that where people are talking over each other interrupting each other almost shouting a lot to almost Mm -hmm. it felt like to be heard especially chunk um, he seemed to be always shouting whenever he was talking. I don't know if that's because it was his way of trying to get heard. Um, but I, I actually found it quite impressive. It was almost like organized chaos. Like clearly yeah. they're all reading to a script, but given how young they were to be able to do that. And it really genuinely felt quite natural. Just a bunch mm. of friends like on a high, just chatting and bantering away. Yeah. I don't know if you'd get a, storyline around this misfit brother in the Fratelli's family who plays this kind of Mm. poor, rather simple, disfigured young brother who they kind of (laughs) 
strangely lock away it seems in this underground dungeon <laughs> i know but at the end they always say how he got so de- badly deformed because he because his mum dropped because he was <laughs> dropped, dropped so times. much i know precisely oh my that's what i mean that's why i kind of think there are things like that like that that you wouldn't get away with today. you wouldn't get away but but back no. then it probably would have just been you know, we people probably would have just glossed over it, isn't it? You know, but, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So, I mean, he was ended up obviously being quite a key character <laughs> in terms of helping. You know, ended up helping mm. the Goonies, and you know, he became a good friend of Chunks and stuff. I I forgot about a lot of this film. I mm. I completely forgotten about the sloth character completely. The pirate ship stuff was super impressive. Hundred nine foot long that was, and they built it in like two and a half yeah. months. It's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Apparently, Josh Brolin swore when he saw it because, like you say, they filmed them seeing it when they saw it for the first time because they wanted to get that look on their faces. <laughs> and Josh Brolin mm. swore, so they had to they had to do a <laughs> had to do another. I know, take, apparently. I know. And apparently, um, Ki Hu Kwan he he actually swore as well, but said it spelled it out. That's because so his mum. <laughs> Because his mum, so, he made it. He made yeah, a pact with his mum. He would swear. <laughs> yeah, don't swear. But exactly. he did swear a couple of other times, I'm sure. But that yeah. shit, there is something that looks equivalent of that on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney. But imagine them; I mean, they must have had a massive. I know pool of water. It must have been great fun. You know what? Oh. I was just thinking about this in terms of the themes between the Goonies and Stranger Things. I know, I know it's ET as well, but these TV shows that are being made now, which mm. hark back to it. I don't know if you've seen Outer Banks. But no, that, but I know that you're, you said your daughter. Yeah, really it's a kind it. of a yeah. kind of a young teen. Mm. Uh, and you know what? That's about a bunch of kids trying to track down some treasure. And it made me wonder whether that's kind of was inspired potentially by the Goonies. I mean, the thing I think I love most about it, because when you watch an 80s film, the thing I find most enjoyable about it, and this sounds dark, is just because it's an 80s film. And the type of acting, you know, like you say, the bit the of music. overacting, the music, yeah. what they're wearing, the nostalgia yeah. the fact the young actors who you've now kind of seen you see other films in it that's the joy I, I found of it i mean they've always got really good moral themes and but you know being able to see like the underground stuff like you say oh i can see a bit of indiana jones coming there with like some not ball rolling down but not far off that and then you mm. you you just see lots of bits and yeah i don't think it's aged that badly like you say this the, no, the underwater stuff with the pirate ship i i thought that was done really well it's like our local coral reef water world <laughs> uh, on steroids you know i thought this i thought that would make a fantastic uh, kids yeah. water world as i say i enjoyed it it's just a good fun watch it is um and i i'm, I'm gonna give it eight and a half out of ten <laughs> i just forgot how much overacting there was from the from the kids and also from the fratelli brothers as well but yeah uh, eight and a half is still very good score and uh, it was just good fun to watch yeah i'm gonna give it eight out of ten yeah all the same reasons and yeah it's always great to watch those kind of films great so next up we have gran turismo which is on the big screens at the moment uh directed by neil blomkamp director of district nine and lyceum and chappie you may have seen those in the past and it stars david harbour 
we mentioned earlier, Orlando Bloom, Archie Makeway, Damon Hounso, who you may recognise from Blood Diamond, Amstad and Guardians of the Galaxy. He's bad in that. And uh, Jerry Hallowell Horner as well, which was a surprise to see in this film as well. And I believe she must be in this film due to her connections with Christian Horner from Red Bull Formula One as well. That's the only reason why I'd see her being selected to cast in this film. Film starts uh, like a documentary, which I believe like District 9, it's very Neil Blomkamp style. And it follows a true life of Jan Mardenborough, a rise to GT fame. The film starts with marketer Danny Moore, played by Orlando Bloom, travelling to Japan to rope in Nissan to sponsor and work with top performers globally of the game Gran Turismo. And Nissan agree, but they have to find the best engineer also to support them and him. And that's where they come to Jack Salter after looking through a long list of, of engineers. Jack Salter comes up, played by David Harbour, and he's responsible for training these gamers how to really drive at the GT Academy at Silverstone in Northamptonshire, which is where I'm from. So we follow Jan, and it's, uh, he's the son of a former Darlington football team player, Steve Mardenborough. His dad's all focused all around his brother, who's uh, trying to get into a football team, and he sees Jan just playing games all day on, on his Gran Turismo and his simulator. He feels that he's got he's got no career drive, he's got, you know, not much going for him really, and just sort of prods a little bit with some comments here and there, just making him feel like a bit of a loser, to be honest. Uh, little does he know that Jan is one of the fastest people in the country to complete Gran Turismo. And um Orlando Bloom's character, Danny Morse, and their team select Yan to join their GT Academy with about seven or eight others uh, across the world by simply just driving that super fast in Gran Turismo. We see the highs and lows of Yan's performance, I would say, and I would say it's also a coming of age film, but um, love to get your thoughts, Rob. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was a film which, you know, it's not, it's not like a kind of a knockout film. I didn't think the performances were amazing, but the big draw of it is... For someone who doesn't know that much about Gran Turismo, you know, know of it, and probably have played it maybe once or twice back in the day, but to just see how seriously that video game is taken by many, many people who play it and what clearly goes into that game that allows these sim racers to be able to step up or a select number of them to step up to be taught how to drive racing cars. I I thought that was the most fascinating thing about the film. I didn't know anything about the movie beforehand. So obviously right at the beginning, it says it's based on a true story and, you know, Yang Mardenborough, I, I, I was curious whilst I was watching it, is, is that whole thing about I wonder how how much of this is is true and how much you know is kind of fabricated, um, but you know having read up on it afterwards, it's 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 pretty accurate. I mean, obviously they've sensationalized a lot of the stuff. The journey this kid goes on to end ending up competing at Le Mans, and I, and I won't. I don't think we should say anything about the specifics of what happens in yeah. in the races because really that would ruin the film because you're really watching it to just see how his 
professional, if you like, journey goes. But I really liked the way that right from the beginning, whenever there were shots of him playing Gran Turismo, they would like use graphics to kind of zoom back on him and place graphics around him as if it's actually putting him in a proper car and then kind of zooming back in. And equally, when he was on the actual racetrack, they would do the opposite. So he'd be driving and then they would suddenly, the car would become a graphic. They'd take all the graphics away so you could see every every individual piece of the car, like hovering like a graphic. And he would just be like sitting there in midair. And often the footage you saw, you know, when they were racing, the place number that they are in the race would be hovering above the cars. You could probably call them gimmicks, I suppose. But I quite liked the way that they tried to tie the game in with the the actual action. I thought that that worked quite well. I loved the piece at the beginning when him and his brother sneakily take their dad's car out to, to a night out with their friends and the police come along and Jan basically shows off his driving skills by being able to lose the police around this kind of dockyard area. It's all really dark and graphics would flash up about the car, like, you know, reward, gain, cop avoidance. And they would plaster these graphics over the top of the footage. I really like that. I was intrigued to know just how far he was going because I I can get into any sporting story. I I love sport really. And, And so that was the biggest thing for me. It was just fascinating to see how far he actually got in his career. There's a pivotal moment in the film that happens during one of the races, which I won't really talk about. But as is the case with a lot of the races he's in, there are accidents that happen. And one of those, you know, the way in which it's filmed is incredibly realistic and really was a bit of a jaw-dropping moment it actually reminded me of some of those horrible moments you know if you're into your F1 or you follow motor racing you're what you know you're actually mm. watching a when a, when an accident happens and you're a bit like oh my god and in actual fact i think that's another really impressive thing for the film is the race sequences that are done incredibly well and i think though in a strange way what carries the film aside from the intrigue of the story and how far yam progresses and the other bits and bobs i've talked about i think in actual fact what carries the film is david harbour's performance I mean, I actually felt Orlando Bloom's, he was all right in it. I mean, I never think he's particularly amazing. I mean, he does his job as this the marketeer character quite well. Do you uh, know what was funny? Is he was a marketer. He introduced himself. But I was thinking, surely it wouldn't be the marketer that would be going. It would be a salesperson that would be going to talk to them. And me being in marketing, I was thinking, surely that. And that just kept playing in my mind. No, surely that would be a salesperson or a CEO or something like that. No, so, I, anyway. I, I thought exactly the same thing as you. Well, you're in um, marketing as well. So. Well, I'm in marketing <laughs> as well, so I suppose yeah. we'll both notice that. Yeah, I thought David Harbour was just very good. I mean, you know, okay, Jan obviously was played by Archie Medekwe, and, and so he's an you know, up-and-coming young actor. All the rest of the cast aren't particularly well-known, really, apart from Orlando mm. Bloom. And, yeah. and so David Harbour just comes across as a cut above everybody else. And I think the film needed someone like David Harbour in it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think it could have just been a film that could have easily have got mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. If it was just about Gran Turismo without a name in it, it wouldn't have done quite so so well. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's about it. Oh, I have to say something about Jerry Halliwell. I'm sorry, or Jerry Horner. I have to say, I thought she was awful. I really did. And as soon as I saw her in it, I thought, is that Jerry Horner, and then just like you, it's like, oh, okay, of course, the motor race and the Red Bull connection, that's got to be why she's there. 
I just, I mean, she didn't have much to do. No. She was just playing a mum, but even in the moments she was playing the mum, there was only one time when I thought she was any good, which was just when she was having a bit of a breakdown because something that, you know, watching a race. And that frustrated me, actually, because I kind of thought there are a million actors out there who could have played that role mm. and, and done a better job. And they put her in it. And I, it's not the be all and end all because it's a tiny part, but had, that, that bothered me, actually. But yeah, apart from that, I think, I think that's about all I've really got to say about it. I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like one of those films that I walked away and go, wow, that was brilliant. But it was just, yeah, it's just a kind of a watchable film and it was interesting and, and yeah, well done. And, you know, I, I like David Harbour more and more. Yeah, I think David Harbour was really good. Um, I did want to watch it with my family, and I have to say, my thirteen-year-old son loved it. Oh, um, so I think I'm. I think it's not created for me. I think it's created for his age group and potentially more boys as well. I'm going to be stereotypical there. I asked him how what would he give it out of ten. And he's seen quite a few films with us. He's seen June. He's seen you know a lot of the films that we've been reviewing that have been twelve A or whatever. Uh, with us and he said it would give it nine out of ten but for me yeah i'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten it was just lacking a little bit um i felt i wanted to know a bit more about how the others were training to be in line with his experience at the end when they were doing the 24-hour race and i just felt it was very choppy in places and i felt they missed a bit of detail but maybe it wasn't strong enough to be in the in the storyline or the plot yeah, but I think along with that, there were other bits that were a bit paint by numbers. Like yeah. it's like, okay, we've got to create the kind of villain yeah. character. We've got yeah. to create the driver who's the. And there who's... probably wasn't a villain in the end. No, but exactly. There's that kind of yeah. thing. And like you say, that I was a bit like you. I was a bit interested to know about some of the other drivers, but you just, but it just wasn't. It's you know, mm. it was very much like let's just A to B to C to D. Let's just kind mm. of get get through this. It's all about Yan, yeah. which is why, like I say, I enjoyed it, but there were bits in it that I could have easily got quite bothered with. No, exactly. What are you going to give it anyway? I'll give it six and a half out of ten. Interesting. What are you going to give it? I know. Well, I've given it seven and a half oh, already. Oh, you gave it yeah, seven yeah. and a half. That might be, yeah. you know what? Maybe that's a bit cruel. Maybe that might be a bit cruel. <laughs> I, that might be cruel because I, w- I was just literally debating seven or six and a half. But I think seven, no, I'm going to say six and a half. The reason why I gave it seven and a half is because I did almost have a little tear to the eye. So I obviously connected with the character. And I just, the fact that my son loved it, it's just I wasn't the right demographic for it, really. So that's why I've given it seven and a half out of ten. I, I, but, I, I, I'm going to go, no, sorry, I, I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go seven. <laughs> Okay, so I think six and a half sounds cruel. It's uh, it's too cruel for the for the film it is actually. So I'm going to give it seven. Okay, okay, both decent scores, worth a watch to get your perspective as well. But I think you find the teenagers will love it anyway. So new film this time round. So we are looking at one that's not had much publicity, but out in cinemas 25th of August. Is that right? You're right. 25th of August. It's that period. We just had Oppenheimer, Barbie, Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones. I think there's this bit of a lull period now until we get to October time. So we don't really know what this is going to be like, but I found the trailer intriguing enough to feel like it's the, maybe the one of the better options of an average bunch, but we, I could be wrong. So this is the dive. So two sisters go diving at a beautiful remote location. One of the sisters is struck by a rock, leaving her trapped 28 meters below. With dangerously low levels of oxygen and cold temperatures, it's up to her sister to fight for her life. So there you go. 
Um, mm. And I suppose it's out of the cinemas at around the time we wanted it to be for us. That's so that's right. but then we don't normally have a period like this where we're struggling for a film. But we have. We took a long time over this one. Because there's other... Equalizer 3 as well. Yeah, that, that is coming that... out on 30th of August. There's going to be some coming out on streaming on uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime and, and Disney Plus and Apple Plus, etc. as well. They seem to be more TV series, don't they? Yeah. Rather than the film. So, and then we're going to find this again at some point because the writer's strike that's on at the moment, actors and writers are striking at the moment because of the AI challenges that they foresee. So, who knows what we're going to have in about six months' time? What will be released then? But anyway, that you are picking from my list, Rob. That's right. So, in terms of genres, we've just started again. I think our first one was adventure, wasn't it, for the Goonies? So, That's right. can I just pick what I want, or should I? Does it yes. have to? Yeah, let's just do that. I do you know. I'm going to go drama. It's one of drama. my. It's one of my favorite mm. genres. So let's go drama. Okay. I have how many dramas have you got? Quite a lot of dramas actually. I've got my goodness, sixty-one dramas. There you go. It's the biggest category, let's face it. I'm gonna go number one. Number one is Braveheart. Braveheart? Yeah, with Mel Gibson in nineteen ninety-five. Wow. William Wallace. I don't think I've ever seen Braveheart all the way through. Well, I have to take that little hobby off my war list now. I've got very few wars now, but Braveheart is a is is a drama war movie. Yeah, won lost lots of Oscars. Yeah, I mean, if for people who really need to know, Scottish warrior William Wallace leads his countrymen in a rebellion to free his homeland from the tyranny of King Edward the First of England. So it's streaming on currently on Disney Plus. You can rent or buy from most on-demand platforms. So you've got Apple TV, Sky Store, etc. You can rent or buy of those. Wow. Do you know what? Sorry, this should, this should really come in the next episode. This one, best picture, best director, mm. best writing, screenplay, best cinematography, best costume design. That's, yeah. that's unbelievable. It swept the board. I remember it sweeping the board, yeah. Okay, right, well. Freedom! Let's wear a kilt. With the blue face paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to it. Is it freedom? Shouts? Yeah, I'm sure it's shouts. You freedom. can never take my freedom! Isn't it something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> we'll shout it out when we, yeah, uh, well, exactly. when we watch we'll, it. <laughs> we better watch it first to make sure we got that right. It's a completely different film. <laughs> my memory's not yeah. what it was. Oh, dear. Uh, I, I think I've only seen this once, actually. Probably was in ninety. I remember watching it at the cinema, nineteen ninety-five. So looking forward to this one. Be a good one. Absolutely. It's. Uh, I mean, I like to see Mel. I mean, I know Mel's had Mel. quite. No, well, Mel. Quite, Hi, Mel. <laughs> Hi, Mel. I know he's had some like misdemeanors yeah. that have kind of ruined Which his is career. Sad somewhat. because isn't it? Sad? I love Mel. And Mel was great, and especially when he was performing alongside Gordie Horn, and he's done a lot yeah. of films with Gordie Horn. But he was always this cheeky little cheeky. What's it? <laughs> um, and you see him on Lethal Weapon. He's the cheeky one, isn't he? She, well, he's, he's cheeky, kind of cheeky and crazy, cheeky and mm. slightly unhinged, and. Uh, mm. It's one of those things sometimes you kind of feel like if you just focused on him and his films, <laughs> it's a shame yeah. sometimes that inevitably the personal lives of actors gets in the way sometimes. I mean, you can't ignore it. Of course you can't ignore it. But at the same time, I mean, he's, he's done some great stuff anyway. He has some really good 
good films and he's yeah. he's been you know he's been around from from the 80s i don't know whether he started in the 70s or not but certainly in the 80s he had his purple batch and then it's you know ransom is done and also comedy daddy's home that's it yeah daddy's he was home. in that that's daddy's right. home too he's now starting to play like an older gentleman in the movies obviously well, he's he... an older gentleman he's even in the expendables series you know like <laughs> i i do think he's gonna have a bit of a renaissance mm. i i mm. think his troubles hopefully will be put aside and he can he's still making films he's still he can still carry a film i think so i yeah. kind of hope that we see more from him i mean i remember seeing him in um gallipoli that was one of his very early films in like 19 i think it was 1981 or something like that yeah he's been some great films his first big one was Mad Max in 1979, yeah. wasn't there you it? Go. And that's the 70s. There you go. But it used to be, he must have got spotted in the TV series, the, the Sullivans. I remember watching some of these TV series when I was growing up. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the, we can talk about all this Yeah, you can. Let's just leave it. Definitely. Let's park it. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. We're back to our usual recording slot of Sunday evening. So It is. It is. Time for me to get some Still dinner on. Dinner time. Might be time for a cheeky little stroll, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a bit late. We'll see. What, for a cheeky not, stroll? Not for, to, to the, the ch- fish to and the... chips? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think I'm, I'm not doing fish and You'll chips. You'll find my husband down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's getting food tonight. So, Is he? Yeah. So you're not cooking mm. three different meals? That's No, cool. no. We're having two different meals. Actually, we are having three different meals. Oh. Because my boys will have pizza. Yeah. Because we've basically been traveling. We've gone to my in-laws and now about to go to my mum's uh, house. So we've got a day where we didn't bother buying any food because there's no point. So we're spending yeah. a week away. So we're we're doing takeout and it's going to be a Chinese. And there'll be two different dishes because I will have something different to my husband. And then um, the boys will have pizza, which is next door. <laughs> so, so again, it is three different meals. I mean, I don't want to get specific on locations because it will mean nothing to the audience. But for your Chinese... Mm-hmm. Do you go very local, as in the village, or do you yeah. order yours from... For, oh, very local. Very local. Oh, I can't yeah. know which one you're talking about. Now I want a Chinese. You see, this is what you did last time. I had plans. <laughs> on the bad influence. I know, you had plans. And Chinese Sorry. is my, is if my you put on weight, It's my fault. <laughs> no, it's like, fine. But you're not right. putting it on anyway. Let's just get that clear. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that. No, you haven't seen me I'm... for a while. If you stand up, I'll be able to see your tummy. I'm the one that's been to the US. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't avoid it. Yeah, you can't really avoid it there. Yeah. Oh, it's expensive over there. You're like spending per person, per day, you're spending a good $50 to $70. Really? Just meals, yeah. Oh, my God. That's scary. That's Bristol probably One Burger probably more than that if you go well. to a nice, nice restaurant, yeah. But McDonald's is far more expensive over in America than it is at home. Is it really? Well. We, we did it once, yeah. And they had my favourite, which was... Uh, I have a filet of fish, you see. That's my favourite. A filet, a filet, filet of fish. Filet, filet of fish without the tartar sauce. When people, uh, say, the, when people say the filet bit, I reckon filet. Never, no one really knows how to say it, so they end no. up making it sound very French well, and fillet, grand. Fillet of fish. Yeah, exactly. It's just a fillet of fish, isn't it? Or filet. I, say, I always say filet. <laughs> Okay, so how about this? I didn't realise this. When we, were, when we were on holiday, we went from McDonald's one night. I know, ridiculous, yeah. but we did. But they had like, it was, they had the Monopoly thing, you know, the scratch card thing. All uh, right. And so my son was scratching off all these various <laughs> things and he won. Guess what he won? He won a free 
fillet of fish. There you go. <laughs> or fillet of fish. Oh, <laughs> Which dear. is probably um they probably sell more over there because they live near the sea, don't they? I doubt it. I, I wonder doubt. if the top dish is 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 a fillet of fish. <laughs> fillet of fish. It's just <laughs> crazy. For the local sea. <laughs> That's your favourite. There you go. Oh, anyway, back. What I was saying is, they had double fillet of fish, like you get ah. a double cheeseburger, a double fillet of fish, and my end result was, yeah, that was too much. I could only, oh, I was could it? only cope with a single fillet of fish. Well, yeah. do you know what? I remember we're digressing now. We always end up talking about food at the end, food. so passionately as well. <laughs> so when when I was travelling to my two McDonald's stories, when I this is like before uni gap year, long long time ago. When we went to Australia, they had a mega Mac burger. What was so that? It was, it was a Big Mac with an extra layer. Oh, blimey. Which was incredible. And it was so, so because so we... Well, three patties. Yeah, three patties. Wow, it's called, it called, it called the Mega Mac. And then when we were traveling through the States, because we'd just been like the other way through Asia and Australia. We got to the States and everything was just more expensive to eat. So we traveled like for four <laughs> weeks across the States from West Coast to East Coast, pretty much. And all we ate was McDonald's. It's all we could, it's all wow. we could afford. Wow. Do you know what though I find really surprising is in where we were in Florida, if you just add on like a dollar or $2, you get the extra large. And that's probably why there's an obesity problem in America. And I know that we, I know the Brits aren't as good either, to be honest. But couldn't get over that how cheap it was to to buy the ex, the next level up by just a dollar. Yeah, but that's the way it always is, isn't it? It's mm. cheaper. It's always cheaper to eat unhealthily than it is mm. to eat eat healthily. At least that's what is sold to you. But and they'll be paying it back by spending more money on extra large clothes, probably. But yeah. they're paying and, more and, money for that. And healthcare, probably. And healthcare, well. yeah, yeah, and health issues, yeah. Well, anyway, anyway we just, that? I think we have. I've just got the running out of time message on Zoom, so we're okay. rattling on too much about uh, food, so better go. Right, I'm hungry now. Bye. 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 <laughs> Here you guys. <go. laughs>